how does anyone figure anything <laughs> out right like we are constantly reliant on like sources of truth outside ourselves that we just have to trust and there's like no particularly strong thing like guiding who we should trust other than just like you know we just kind of arbitrarily choose Welcome back to I'm the Villain. In this episode, we're kind of just like shooting the shit, but we, we we generally are talking about like things like astrology, Enneagram, like a lot of these categorizers that people use to like, I don't know, make decisions or like talk <laughs> about themselves or categorize themselves in these boxes. Like, would you say that's true, DeAndre? Yeah. 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 I think that just a general conversation that starts out with us feeling like just figuring out stating how we feel about them. But then like, I think doing some work to figure out why people would want to believe in this shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was invited the other day to a queer, um, what is it? What's it called? Astrology party where you're supposed to dress up as your mm. sign. And it's a nightmare. I know. I was just like, dude, I will say, like, so the other day I was having a conversation with someone because I was like, you know, having a weirdly like bad time and, and, and like, you know, my, I was talking to my friend about it and she was like, oh, well, it's just because like Mars is in retrograde, right? And <laughs> those, when people say that to me, like, you know, I'm always very like, oh, like whatever, but. It makes me pretty, pretty immediately angry, but go ahead. But, but. Here's the thing. The one nice thing about it is if you really like believe that kind of thing, you can just stop analyzing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you don't have to yeah. think about like, oh, why am I? Is this like, you know, me having this weird attachment thing going on? Am I get, should I like, you know, sit here and psychoanalyze this for another three hours? Like you could just be like, right. oh, it's just a simple explanation. It's just Mars, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it functions very similarly to like what religion did for people, what what do, religion yeah. does for people, right? It's like, this is an easy way to explain slash justify whatever is happening in my life. Right. And like, it's it, it there is like definitely a need to do that because I think in a more secular society, it is easy to like, you know, have these strong anxieties about things that just go unresolved because you have no... right like stopping point that you can use to resolve it yeah i mean i wonder i feel like if if my friend avon was here she would say that you could just like have inner peace <laughs> but can people just snap um, their fingers and achieve inner peace like that you know what i mean no yeah and i know what you mean it's like this is a way this is almost a vehicle for that right, right? it's like you get to you can't snap your fingers and have inner peace but you can get really into like astrology and, and be like, oh, decide that it's like the cosmics, the cosmos fault. Because if you think about. like another piece of astrology, right, is like telling who you who you're supposed to be compatible with and stuff like that. Right. Like, yeah, people will be like, oh, what's your big three or whatever? You know, like that's uh -huh. that's what a lot of people ask me at this astrology party. Right. And I was just like, yeah. and yeah, I get so angry. I get like, what the fuck? Like, I have no idea what it is. You know, like, you know, Alison Raybar <laughs> would classically be like, oh, I'm a, I'm a ENTJ when people ask her sign, you know? And like. <laughs> ENTJ. Oh, like, uh, like Myers-Briggs. Yeah. So you went to this, you went to this astrology party. Yeah. And it's like, I, uh, have been, you know, more, especially in death care stuff. There's like so many people who are really bought into tarot readings, astrology, like you know, Enneagram, like personality categorizers, like that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Right. I do like Enneagram. You do actually like any, but like, I feel I like all those personality, any of these categorizer type things, because there's so many versions of it, right? There's like Myers-Briggs, there's Enneagram, like my previous boss had a color thing. Like you could be like a yellow, blue, green or red type thing. Yeah. Like there's so many of those. Disc is another one. Yeah. Right. And I always am so baffled by them because I'm kind of like, why I'm telling you who I am just so that you can tell me back who I am. Like, what? what's the purpose <laughs> of that? You know what I mean? <laughs> How is that useful? Um, I think people, people, yeah, people enjoy the labels, you know? Mm -hmm. And I do think that, like, specifically with the Enneagram, mm -hmm. I found that, have you ever taken the Enneagram? No. Someone, t someone told me recently that I'm an eight. I don't know if you actually know all the different categories or not. 
I don't know all. The, I don't know all the types. Okay. I know my types, um, and I think I, yeah, that's kind of it. That's all I know. Mm-hmm. But what are I you? will say that I've never felt. I'm so I'm I'm a type two wing three. Okay. So when you're a certain type, you can have a wing mm-hmm. to an adjacent type. Okay. You know, like I could be a wing one or a wing three. You can't be like a type two wing four, to my understanding. Okay. Um, because they're supposed to like vaguely flow into one another. I don't know. Um. But um, I enjoyed the Enneagram because it provided like different shades of who someone can, who you could be at a certain time. Mm-hmm. Like it'd be like if you're feeling like energized or energized or like strong or courageous, like you could be these kite, these types or you or if you are feeling like weak and sad are going through a tough time you can get pretty toxic and be these kinds of people but i think at the core a type two is supposed to be like someone that's like supportive and social and like you know gains pleasure from like from like you know being in service to people Mm -hmm. um and the wing three is like all that, but plus you're a little bit of a narcissist and you like to be the center of attention and you like people to think that you're funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, those things are all true. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, and I, but then, but I haven't done it in a while. You so see, okay. You know, like, I mean, okay. So the person who was telling me that I was at Enneagram eight the other day was like, oh, and these types of people tend to do blah, blah, blah. Like they, they tend to like want independence and like a lot of the stuff that she was describing felt it was definitely like, you know, really aligned with a lot of my feelings around my breakup with Asher. Like you don't want people to sort of like, you know, bog you down and like, you know, not let you do the things that you want to do, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, sure. Right. That's all true. What do you think is useful about that? People like, oh yeah, wow. Like, you know, this is so right. I'm in this top box, right? Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's a good question because I'm not, I'm actually not sure, you know, like, like, what are you supposed to do that information? (laughs) (laughs) Um, good question. I don't know. Like, I think some people might find it useful to have an idea, like an an idea of themselves. And I think more, more useful because I think these, these tests often will give you like some advice on what to do in certain situations right like Hmm. if you're feeling drained try this if you're feeling like dejected try this if you're notice yourself slipping into these habits try this and i think that maybe that's what people that's where people see some value like they learn how to like or they feel like they gain some insight into how they should be behaving in certain situations i I feel like astrology is similar too co-star is often like oh don't like, you know, you might be getting too impulsive this month. Like, make sure you kind of like reel it yeah. in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, watch out, watch out for you being too impulsive. Right. And like, and like, I mean, the common criticism for all of these things, which I tend to kind of agree with, is that the general advice that, like, the general advice, for example, of don't be impulsive is good advice to give. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. No matter um, what. Like, it's, they're so general that, like, it's almost like not. You could say that right. as if it was like this super niche customizable thing, but it's always just like sure. be a nice person and like, you know, consider your actions or something, you know? Right. And on the other side of things, you know, I feel like even if like the minutia of the quiz is bullshit, it would be pretty easy to give someone a list of questions to get at whether or not they were impulsive or like very controlled and reserved. Right. Mm hmm. And if once you have that sense, if you, <laughs> I feel like if you gave that person the counter advice, look at whatever the opposite of their, whatever the opposite of their nature is, they'd be like, wow, I need to try that. You know, like it would feel impactful. Do you think, or even if you gave them the same advice, the same nature. I mean, do you think that like if you had to, you know, say if we were designing a thing like this, right? Uh-huh. And we were going to say like, hey, what would be helpful for people with XYZ personality traits, right? Like, do you think it is a valuable uh, notion generally to say, hey, do something that is not in your nature to do. Push yourself out of your comfort zone, generally speaking? Yes. Yes? I do think it's, I think it's a worthwhile, yes. Yes. I think, and I think that, because it's pretty easy to cover, right? Either you do it and then it goes well and then someone's like, wow, 
they were right. I like that's something I should be doing. No, what if they do something impulsive though, and then they get arrested and like die? Like <laughs> then, yeah. <laughs> then you'd be like, oh, oh, but there was a. Did you read the liability statement? Well, you, you signed this. <laughs> you have to trust that, like, you know, you have to trust that most people wouldn't do like something that gets them dead. But if they do something impulsive and then it doesn't go well, I think that the easy thing would be like, oh, you still well, learn now you something learned a, from this. You learned a lot yeah. about what this could look like, you know, or you learned about a way to be impulsive that might not be the best way for you. Yeah. And in these ways, right, I feel like I used to like pretty vehemently dislike astrology yeah. and things like this. Because it's so feels I so think, ascientific or whatever. Yeah, it just it's just like I mean bullshit. for lack of yeah, it's bullshit for lack of better terms. Yeah. Um but perhaps like the there is like inherent value in anything that gets anyone to think harder about their own decisions but maybe i think there's a good argument that um that astrology does the opposite well i the one thing i really do like about the the premise of astrology not the actual like you know specific advice that it gives i do think that that particular thing is probably bullshit but like just the concept that um you are connected to a wider cosmos that is affecting your decisions is kind of a cool idea right even if the specifics of like you know the the kind of advice that like comes out of it is kind of bullshit like the premise of like oh the place where i was born or the place where i am right now and the alignment of everything going on in the universe is like affecting me is i think a general principle that like we do want to encourage a sense of being a part of a larger whole i think that's good for society generally Right. Yeah. Have you read Braiding Sweetgrass? Oh, I've I've I I checked it out once we talked about it with Wes that one time, and I only read like uh-huh. the couple, you know, the first couple pages of it. But I read the thing about the Got trees, it. like the masting trees, all tr- like um like fruiting yeah. at the same time. That was cool. Yes. Yeah. Is that what you're thinking I think of? That, like. Well, yeah, and like I think a common theme throughout that book. I also haven't finished the book. Okay. To be clear, but yeah. A common theme throughout the book of what I've read so far is like this feeling of you are working as part of an environment, an ecosystem, you know, like an ecosystem, right? Yeah. And humans have like removed themselves from this idea that they are part of an ecosystem, but we inherently are. Mm-hmm. In fact, we are a really important piece because we are like, we have probably the most, you know, the, the most wielding power of any animal to like change the ecosystem around them pretty directly. Yeah. Right. Um, and I think that that is really valuable and it has been valuable, I think, for me to think about things in terms of that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could see how, like, if you extrapolated that to like a greater universe idea, how that could also be valuable. Mm-hmm. But I guess I just like, I, I really, I really hate the idea of like things being predestined, you mm. know, or there being like the universe is telling me to do this or whatever. Because I'm sure um, that there's, it is probably the case, right? That maybe it's not astrology, but there probably is some sort of like indigenous knowledge out there that is like true and founded in some kind of like, you know, wisdom that we, we as like, you know, the members of like sort of the, the modern society that we're a part of now are not tapped into that like we would yeah. gain a lot of value from being able to be tapped into, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and that could be like literally just from virtue of being more aware, you know, and understanding like, like a- plants and animals around us or something. Yeah, right. For sure. Because especially given that we both live in cities, like we're so not even, we don't even have a oh, lot of opportunities so to like you know really be connected to anything going on in the natural world, right? It's yeah, it's shocking. I mean, I was in like I was in the mountains this past weekend, uh-huh. and. And I was in the I was in the mountains with city people, you know, people that like don't really have any ties to nature or have like lived most of their lives in cities or whatever. Yeah. And man, it, it it's such like I feel like it's such like a like a relaxing and liberating experience to be surrounded by shit, like surrounded by nature, you know. Mm-hmm. That's like constantly and feels, moving and growing and organic, right? Yeah, everything is alive and everything is like somewhat independent yet connected to you. Um, and it's a feeling that you don't really get, you don't get to be in touch with when you're in the city. Yeah. You know? Um, 
And uh, yeah, I think that like I would agree with the general sentiment that people would benefit from feeling like they were in touch with something if, you know, if that results in like heightened awareness slash like perhaps even action, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess, do you feel as if in your day to day life you encounter that many things that seem like inexplicable to you? Like, do you feel like you or any friends that you know have ever like witness something that you were like, wow, this is like, I don't know how to explain this. Like, this is sort of like airing on like the supernatural. Um, I think, I, I think I saw a ghost one time when I was a kid. Yeah. How, <laughs> how, what was the context? Um, and I'll preface this by saying, I mean, this is what the memory does to you, right? I'm pretty sure this was real. I'm pretty sure this happened to me, mm-hmm. but now that it's been a long time removed, you have it no kind of feels like it was a, yeah, it kind of feels like it was a dream. Yeah. But this is what I remember. I remember being in my, I was like maybe six or seven years old, um, maybe eight, being in my childhood home and being up like kind of late one night watching TV, maybe like on a Friday or Saturday night, or like maybe it was a summer and it was like some night that then didn't matter, you know? Mm-hmm. And I remember my house was spooky, right? It was old and it was spooky and it was creaky. Um, it was built in like the 1900s, like the early 1900s. Mm-hmm. And I remember like, you know, getting this feeling of like feeling like I was watched or whatever. And my TV kind of like, you know, getting a little flickery fuzzy. And then I looked to the, to the door and um, the door that like led into the hallway from the living room. And I see what appears to be like the shadowy, like slightly translucent silhouette of a man mm-hmm. staring at me. Mm-hmm. And I'm very scared and but so scared that I can't make any sounds. And um, then I like blink and like kind of like shake my head and like look away and like look back and then the silhouette's not there anymore. Mm-hmm. And then I go to bed. Um, I remember that like pretty viscerally but also it's like i said it's so kind of foggy that like i'm I'm not like damn was that a dream mm-hmm. you know um and then some other like less <laughs> some other more explainable things like one time i was on i remember viscerally like being on the phone with my um with my friend and we were chatting and then all of a sudden we hear this like very loud maniacal laugh on the phone <laughs> It was a landline phone. Yeah. Um, and because we were kids and you just heard like the very cliche, like, <laughs> you know, it was like very, very wow. sc- creepy and loud. Mm-hmm. And then we had both like, I'm pretty, I was pretty sure it wasn't him because it started like while he was talking and yeah. he was like, dude, what are you doing? And I was like, I was like, man, that wasn't me. So there are three possibilities. One is that some other person in one of our houses picked up the phone and like laughed maniacally into it. Yeah. Um, you know, it could be like his dad or something. Yeah. Uh, second is that like something happened with the phone lines and like maybe we were patched into someone else's call, like right at the scariest possible moment ever. Um, or three, like it was a demon coming to get us. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But clearly um, it wasn't enough of an experience seemingly to get you to suddenly start believing demons. Um, I don't know. I mean, I have, I, I've, I've occupied this weird space for most of my life where I, um, am very petrified of the supernatural. Like I'm very afraid of like demons and shit. Oh, really? I I don't necessarily, I'm necessarily, I don't necessarily believe in them. Like it doesn't really augment my behavior at all, but I don't watch, like, I don't really like scary movies that deal with like the supernatural or demons or shit like that because they really freak me out. I think it's because of my Christian upbringing. Yeah. I was very afraid of hell and anything like it. And like, you know, it felt like being exposed to what, like what hell might look like or what demons might be like was just too much for me to handle. Do you think you're a Christian? <laughs> are, you, are you saying like your Christian upbringing in the sense that like, it makes you specifically scared of the things that like Christians are scared of, or do you think it makes you specifically sort of like more open to the notion that like, there's this grain of skepticism in your head. You're like, maybe these things are true. Like maybe like, and that's like true for sort of like anything. I think it's kind of both. Mm-hmm. Um, 
with like with like the demon thing specifically i think it's because i spent so much of my life being afraid of hell Mm -hmm. that those things specifically freak me out but um yeah i mean i think and oddly it's like also my like firm belief in science right that like we don't know what the fuck is going on out there Mm -hmm. you know like there's some shit we like any like any true scientist knows that we don't really know that much about how things work on this on on, on this plane of universe. Sure. Right? Like there could be an entire you know quantum parallel realm that like you know runs um congruent with ours, what that looks very similar, and like, like like everything. Have you seen everything ever all at once? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And like, what if <laughs> you know? What if when I saw the silhouette of the man, it was like our realm, like accidentally bleeding into their realm for a little bit. Yeah. And, and that would look a lot like a ghost to me. Right. (laughs) So. Yeah. I think that we found that a lot of the things that we have been afraid of, we could now explain, but that doesn't necessarily make the explanations any less scary. Sure. I don't know. I mean, like, you know, it's like maybe early people thought that when the volcanoes erupted, like they had made the sun God mad and that they, you know, deserved it or whatever. And that they just needed to like behave well and that the volcano wouldn't erupt. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of scary, but then it's also really scary to just, to just know that sometimes volcanoes erupt and destroy everything. And there's not really much you can do about it. (laughs) Yeah. Like both are, both are pretty petrifying. Well, and it's like, you know, uh, we are so bounded by like what human beings can know at the given point in history that we are at. Right. And maybe that in and of itself creates, uh, your beliefs are what create your reality. Like maybe for all we know, there were sun gods at that time. And as the advent of science became more supreme, like, and people stop believing in those things, it's kind of a Tinkerbell effect, right? Like they, they stop existing. Like, we don't know. Yeah. How does anyone figure anything (laughs) out, right? Like, we are constantly reliant on, like, sources of truth outside ourselves that we just have to trust. And there's, like, no particularly strong thing, like, guiding who we should trust other than just, like, you know, we just kind of arbitrarily choose, right? (laughs) Like, maybe we just pick the same thing our parents trusted. But, you know, I think as we start growing older, we start realizing, like, oh, the things that our parents trust are also kind of, like, batshit crazy, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, you know, like, I guess I try to humble myself in relation to the astrology stuff because, you know, obviously it sounds hilariously asinine to me. Like the whole thing is just like really stupid. Sure. Um, to me. Sure. Uh, and it seems like they just like added layers of nuance to cover the nuance of people. Right. Mm. It's like, oh, well, if you, if you don't. Um, <laughs> like Scorpios are like, just never gonna get along with Virgos or whatever. I'm just making this up, right? Yeah, like, but then also if you, but also if you do get along with a Virgo and you're a Scorpio, then maybe your Moon or your rising sign can explain that, right? Yeah. And like maybe one of the things that you, maybe one of the other like you know secondary signs, well, because like it's just like it's just a really good like probability thing that between one of these three or four signs in your chart, they could explain away any aspect of you, mm-hmm. right? Um, but maybe if I'm being naive and humbling myself, it's because, um, it's, because if the, the, it's because it does fit humans so well. And we, all, we do all just fit into these boxes based off when and where and what time we were born. Mm-hmm. But obviously, I don't believe that. But like, do you think of any of these things, there's any that you feel more like you're inclined to believe or see legitimacy in? I think I I think just the Enneagram, like I said before, it because I do think I found value in that, especially because I found I I took the Enneagram at a time in my life where I felt like I wasn't my strongest self Mm. or just like at a time in my life where I felt like I could very easily reflect on past versions of myself that were shitty Mm -hmm. and, you know, saw previous unfavorable versions of myself and, and like the subsequent behaviors in the descriptions that the Enneagram gave of like what a possible, you know, 
down and out version of this person could look like. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think there were some like tips and tricks um, on how to combat that. But I think for me generally, and especially at that time, just like being made aware of what that could look like or how I would present those things um, helped me kind of push back on it, if that makes sense. I mean, it's kind of just like everyone is just figuring out what might lend them some value to make sense of like what's going on in their own life or the world around them, right? And for some people, maybe that's science, maybe that's therapy, maybe that's astrology, maybe that's the Enneagram, right? And it's like, not exactly like we can say that our own process is so much more rigorous in terms of like how we figure out what to find value in than anyone else's, right? right? Yeah. Especially for things as wishy-washy as like trying to like understand like our relationships and like, you know, the trajectory of what's going on in our lives because all that is so chaotic. Right. Right. And like the universe and shit. Right. The roughest part though is that like so many of... (laughs) The like avid astrology people are so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> because it's like, like all they talk about. And just because it's like they, I don't like when people put it on you, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't like, I don't like when people are like, you know, that's such Pisces behavior. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like all the memes and the annoying things. I and feel like, like the, it's becoming you know, more it's, prominent over time. Like, don't you agree? This is like, I think I def- more prominent 100%. than like five years ago or something. Well, I think that like spiritualism and yes, I think spiritualism and like, I think we're kind of in the middle of like, I don't know what it will be called in like 40 years, but I feel like we're in the middle of like a second hippie revolution. Oh, you do? I do. I'm like, we're people, I feel like so many of us are becoming like spiritual, are like, you know, shirking all of these, all of these like kind of like oppressive societal norms, especially around like how we should be dressing, how we should be identifying, you know, like people aren't shaving their body hair anymore. You know, it's like we're in, I, I, and I think it's now very much in vogue and almost in its, people feel like in almost in its own way as a form of like fighting back against proper society to like identify with these things, you know? I think it's a yeah. combination of all of that. Because, uh, I mean, I think and, there's also like a definite uh, pushback against any kind of authority kind of like telling you what to think because we're so disenchanted with um, like the education system, the general like media and things like that, right? That we're kind of just like, fuck you. I'm just going to believe in my little like, you know. I, I, it's like you know right. like we're living in this world like this sort of like quote unquote post-truth era of misinformation and like you know it's so exhausting it's such an exhausting endeavor to try to go about like quote unquote figuring out the truth yeah right absolutely and I've noticed especially yeah especially this is big in the gays too the gays love the astrology oh for sure I mean it's definitely I associate it with like the queer scene that's why I feel like during pride I <laughs> have been hearing about it even more right <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I wonder, I, I, I guess I, I, I'm wondering what uh, the connection is with that, you know, what the connection is with the queer community and astrology. Well, I think, okay, my guess, and, you know, I obviously have only t- spoken with people about this, like, I don't know, but, you know, having no, uh, have, you know, been being, especially if you ever grew up with like a organized religion, like Catholicism or something, like, you know, being rejected for mm-hmm. that organized religion because you're queer, I think leaves you with this space of like wanting that spirituality and having that void in your life and then wanting to fill it with something. Right. Right. Yeah. And then like, you know, this is like a perfect thing. It's like pretty, it's pretty harmless, you know? It doesn't seem like... But that's the thing, though. Many a lot people... of these other religions seem pretty harmless, too, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, it's like... only if we start if we start doing governing based on this, then, like... Because that's where, that's where things have gone wrong in the past, right? People started killing people over this shit. Yeah. But that's the thing, is, like, you have to hold yourself in this liminal space of, like, okay, like, sure, like, believing it just not enough for it to be harmful. You know what I mean? Like... Right. Taking it seriously, but like not too seriously, because I feel as if like once we get into that space where we take anything like we're, we're I feel like we're really in this like uh 
chaotic but kind of jovial space on of nihilism in like in the kind of youth culture on TikTok and just like in social media where we're just like, ah, oh, like nothing matters. So we're just going to like, you know, like our sense of humor being like really sarcastic and like, you know, do you, do you get what I'm like the sense that I'm trying to talk about? Yeah, there's like creativity abound and like and like a deep like due to the Internet, like everyone knows that things are going really, really badly. Right. And so and we're kind of like all you can do is collectively laugh about it. Yeah. Like like I feel like the you know, like the Bo Burnham stuff like really captures that in a lot of ways. Right. Mm-hmm. Of just like, oh, you know, like we we have a lot of things that we like are like like, you know, we're all kind of like looking at each other like, you know giving you like you know like you knowing that we actually need to take things really seriously (laughs) right but then our recourse to that is being like oh like we we can't we can't go all in on the nothing matters because that obviously doesn't work but we can't go all in on the everything matters because we'd be in a state of crisis so we're all bound up in this weird liminal space of like oh we can't take anything too seriously (laughs) right yes or we're just gonna fucking die did you watch the inside outtakes? Yeah. Um, I really liked his yeah, one about I the think, chicken. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like that that was the longest one. Yeah, I it know. It was like five minutes. Yeah. It was like this like harrowing tale of a chicken that decided to leave. Yeah. Um, I like the one about the couple that's been dating for five years because Anna and I had our five year anniversary on Monday mm-hmm. yesterday. Yeah. And and even like the silliest shit of like everyone's a feminist until there's a spider around. Yeah. Is, is like is like, you know, obviously so fucking silly, but like, you know, there's truth in that. No, absolutely. That's are. like the whole like the whole point of a lot of the comedy is that there's just a nugget of truth in all of it, right? A little nug, you know. Yeah. I've definitely had people be like, DeAndre, you gotta kill that spider. Dude, the more like i feel like the older i get the more i kind of do feel strongly like i really want to lean into gender stereotypes and be like i do not want to carry this big fucking thing like of course i'm gonna like you know (laughs) play dumb and get this person to fix this thing for me like i don't want to fix it Yeah, you're like Like, (laughs) you're like i I, this this big strong man can come and i don't have to do any of that i don't want to do it like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i don't find anything empowering yeah, about trying to figure out how to do it <laughs> yeah you know a lot of, i've met a lot of people that identify as women that are like yeah you know i'm f- very very happy right now to find would be very happy to find a sugar daddy to come take care of me and pay for all my things yeah um and you know i think that's part of liberation as well right it's like being able to like Ops in and out of these like fun little stupid stereotypes mm-hmm. whenever you want to. I think that for me, I mean, I, you know, I, I wonder where like my stupid kind of like southernisms fall in this, in this scale of things. What do you right? mean? Like, I, you know, I will often hold doors for people that I'm on dates with, right? Those kinds of things are like embedded in, you know, the way that I was raised. And I know, or like they're rooted in inequity, right? Like the idea is like these people need to be taken care of and they shouldn't have to do things for themselves or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but also, it's just nice to hold doors open for people and it's a nice way to show affection. So, like, where does, you know, where does that fall? <laughs> right. That's the thing is that, like, you know, yes, it's like, uh, well, I guess like I guess like is it really inequity in some ways because like clearly, you know, it, when you have a society based on gender roles that are interdependent in that way, like traditional gender roles, like you know, the woman is also taking care of the man in in a lot of ways, right? Right. They, there is this notion of like mutual care, and I bet you know there's plenty of people who be like, oh, that's perfectly equitable. Right. You know, like you like just open the door. The only issue is just <laughs> I mean like. That's the thing is that, like, I feel as if there's also an element of trying to, like, tamp down on, like, you know, reject those stereotypes that also then just results in less care for one another, just communally. Right. Right? I I don't like that people are very concerned with who pays now. Or, like, that, like, 
that splitting is now the has to be yeah like i had this friend who was like oh i think venmo is the worst because like i don't want all of my transactions to be immediately fulfilled because then not having a culture of owing each other then actually reduces like social interdependence and like you know that's actually really core part of friendships and building friendships right right yeah and it's nice it's nice when your date or even just your friend is like oh yeah i'll pick this one up no worries Mm -hmm. you know and that um like that's you know that's kind of gone now yeah um but i so and i think this is like yeah i think i'm gonna like double down when i said that it's kind of fun to like reclaim these things that i think were like typically associated with like toxic gender dynamics Mm -hmm. you know like there's nothing wrong with the act of always opening the door for your date or for your fiance or whatever Mm -hmm. right um and like there can be something wrong if you like really buy into like what that could mean for you two as people in relation to well, the thing another, is it's I only guess. something that is wrong if you feel like it's wrong if you're totally down then like obviously like you know it's fine right right which is why which is why we're like we encourage people that want to find like a sugar daddy to find a sugar daddy because it's like yeah dude if that's what you want that's what they want then like do your thing right I think it just comes um, down to like people's assumptions now about what the other person wants, right? Sorry, I'm just I'm plugging in my um my computer. It's okay. Um, yeah, yeah, I think I agree with that. I mean, some things feel. I don't know. I I'm th- I find myself thinking back to when um, <laughs> do you remember when when I was on Simone's um podcast with a bunch of other people when we're talking about romance and she was like i feel like a man should pay for my date yeah or should pay for me on the first date um like to me that seems kind of like presumptive yeah it seems kind of bad but Mm -hmm. like is that just because i'm a dude and i feel personally offended is that why well it is like a little bit like jumping the gun because like the whole point of that um like tradition was because men made more money and it is still true that men make more money, right? It's right. just not across the board true. Right. So what if, I mean, like, yeah, like, what if, what if Shorty makes more money than me? You know? And right. I'm actually someone that, like, likes to pay for dates. I think it's cute. But, um, you know, what if, yeah, what if, what if the, what if the, you know, like, I have friends that make six figures and I make five. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's kind of deep in here. How do we get talking about? How do we start talking about gender roles? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we gotta listen back to the conversation. Yeah. Um. So, how was your time at this party? Mm, I left. Did you, pretty did you dress up? <laughs> no, no. I like you. I'm not. I don't have a super high. Like we were just talking about on our introvert episode like i just don't have a high tolerance for like you know being like oh wow i don't want to be part of this conversation (laughs) peace out you know yeah i really just want to leave so i think i'm gonna leave yeah (laughs) yeah it's just like you have total control and uh, you know over how you want to spend your time and like you know you don't you don't have to do anything you don't want to do you know nope not even a little bit yeah you could totally get the fuck out of there yeah and that's what you did yeah yeah but like you know what maybe i do definitely you know think to myself like you know are there ways in which my hyper skepticism of these like all the things that we're talking about these sort of like you know either superstitious or like spiritual practices is that am i gonna like you know sort of reach the end of my life and realize that like that was so like like sort of like short-sighted or like bigoted of me you know like we've talked to a lot of very smart religious people on our podcast by now right <laughs> like yeah uh, but i think that the smart all the smart religious people have been like yeah i'm not sure about this whole thing <laughs> but like is it then you know? also uh like that's kind of a smart thing to to think no matter what you believe yeah right like there's no good reason yeah. for us as like basically like science proselytizers to necessarily not also have that mentality right because all of these truths are mediated by fallible humans 
Yeah, that's true. Right. I mean, like, can you imagine like getting to your deathbed and then having it come to Jesus like moment of like, oh, shit, how am I going to make meaning in my life without this uh, broader thing? You know? Yeah. I mean, that would really suck. But also. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, like that feels like it feels like to get there, you had to have a pretty weak, like kind of. Kind of existential standing already, you know, like I think you should work on that before your deathbed. How do you like feel like people can work on that? You know, I think you like find comfort and peace in the idea that like maybe you're not on the earth for a greater purpose and maybe like while you're here, you can make the most of it and like do some good and like that. And that can be enough. Yeah. You know, do you um feel as if like most people, you know, have I talked to you about like the um hero heroes work before? I don't think so. So like there's this course that I'm taking um, called Mortal which is offered by Caitlin Doty, who's like the death positive lady who founded yeah. the death positive movement. And one of the things she talks about um, in terms of like trying to help people reconcile with their mortality end of life is um, you become a lot less afraid of death once you start conceive. like humans really find it comforting to conceive of your life as a narrative, basically like a cohesive narrative with a protagonist who has a goal and like a mission in their life and the goal is your hero's work and so like once you start you know sort of seeing things in this lens i feel like it becomes pretty clear like who has their hero's work down like you know for example a lot of my fanny may co-workers their hero's work was very clearly their kids like they were not in mm -hmm. it to be like super career oriented like this is going to be my thing like a lot of them were like working at that place because their kids were like their main focus in their life and they wanted a job that enabled them the flexibility to focus on that right right and i was just asking uh, like our friend jay this the other day and he was like yeah like everyone in the harm reduction community like this is very clearly their hero's work you know there's like mm -hmm. no question but i yeah. feel like a like a lot of our friends I think it probably also comes with age. Like a lot of the people Jay knows is a lot. They're like a little bit older, like in their thirties. Yeah. But like, do you feel like you know a lot of people who you feel like definitively are like, "This is my hero's work," you know? No, I don't feel like I do. Especially because like we're not around the types of people who generally like want kids. I feel like if you want kids, like most of the time, that's the thing, right? Yeah, if you want kids, or if you're like, yeah, I don't feel like I know a lot of people that are really really like knew they wanted to do this and then are doing this thing and then like are really devoted to it you know like that's kind of rare to me right um like maybe my fiance she loves kids and now she's a children's librarian you yeah know? like that could be her that could be her her hero's work but i could see it also like not being you mm -hmm. know yeah i have no idea what mine is right and so like i feel like there's still on the one hand it's kind of exciting to like you know be around people who have are still in the process of that meaning making like they're not settled in yeah. like what that could be but i think it's probably also somewhat of a from a spiritual spec perspective kind of like aimless like unsettling feeling right yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true that's true yeah i can see that being comforting so does she is is like in Caitlin Dowdy's course, is she like urging you to try to try to figure out what your hero's work is? Yeah, she's kind of like, you know, it doesn't matter where you are in your life, right? Even if you're like, you know, you even if you're the type of person like, you know, a lot of people work their whole careers and they're like, oh, like, why did I work this dumb job? I hated my whole life. Right. Yeah. And, you know, it's sort of like it doesn't matter where you are in your life, even if you're like retired. Right. You can still come up with something to be your hero's work, even in your like 60s and 70s. There's no like limit to, you know. The times in your life when you can like find purpose. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I wonder. I, I feel like I'm so far from that. Right. I mean, do I you feel like the do you feel like the death stuff is your hero's work? Well, like I'm definitely trying to. I think I think I'll know more once I actually start like working with people who are dying. Like I haven't gotten to that point yet. 
And I feel like mm-hmm. a lot of people I know in the death care space, like who feel very solid in like this being their sort of like, um, a lot of people also call it like, you know, heart aligned work or something. Right. Um, I mm-hmm. feel like often like they have those really intense moments at the, someone's like bedside and they're like, oh yeah, like there's, here's my moment of clarity. Like this is clearly why, you know, I'm what I'm supposed to be doing. Right. You know? And I think a lot yeah, of mean, people who work in like medical spaces or like, you know, Paul Farmer, like how he died and there was like uh, a lot of these eulogies and obituaries for him um, like a couple months ago. Um, I don't know who Paul Farmer is. Paul Farmer is the guy who founded Partners in Health, which is like one of the main like it's like Doctors Without Borders. Like they they go to oh, yeah, different yeah. countries and, and, and just implement really, really basic public health policy type things. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like just you know, diarrhea pills, like getting people to wash their hands, like things that are known to be super effective at saving lives. Right. right. And a lot of the reason why people glorify, well, not glorify, but like, I mean, so glorify, I feel like sounds like it's like not justified, but like, you know. Right. The, Justifiably glorify. Yes. Is because like he went into a lot of these countries that had like such poor health infrastructure and everyone was like, you're not going to be able to, you know, get people to be organized enough. They're literally not even literate. Like, how how are you going to get these people to, like, implement these things? And he, like, just went in and did it. You know, he was like, no, right. like, doesn't matter if there's no roads. Like, we will find a way to get these pregnant mothers to hospitals to give birth, you know? Right. Yeah. And like, that's cool. That is like. Like. I think in my mind, one of the clearest examples of someone who like very obviously had like their hero's work, like totally clear and like set out for them. Right. You know? And when he died, hopefully he was like, yeah, crush that. Done. I mean, like, obviously there's still so much work to do from a public health perspective, but I think he really changed the game just in terms of like showing people that it is possible because a lot of people were just like, don't even bother. Like, it's not even it's not going to work. Right, right. Like all you, and he was like, "Dude, all you have to do is try like a little bit." Yeah. <laughs> well, I think like, he tried quite a lot. Like, I think it was right. genuinely incredibly difficult to implement a lot of the health interventions that he was trying to implement, especially because, like, you know, there's a lot of skepticism of like, you know, rich white men kind of coming in and being like, "Here's what you need to do," right? Right. It's like, how do you know if people really have your true best interests in mind? Whatever. Yeah, it's hard. I feel like for like every 1,000, there's like one good one, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, shout out to Paul Walker. I didn't know a lot about this guy. Paul, Paul Farmer. Yeah. Paul Farmer. Paul Walker is from the Fast and the Furious. Also dead. <laughs> <laughs> Rest in peace to both Pauls. Yeah. Um, yeah, I still don't really trust astrology. <laughs> but... You know, I try to be nice. But like there's no reason uh it's it it's really not offering an alternative to anything that you have a more coherent or you know, like worldview around that you can offer a better alternative to, right? I mean, I think my my better alternative is that like sometimes people are different because they were raised in different environments and are just different intrinsic like intrinsically. Sure, but in terms of like the advice piece of it, where it's like, oh, like, how am I supposed to go into this chaotic period of transition? You know? Yeah. Like a lot of it, I think, is a lot more nebulous, right? Yeah. And the reality is that most people aren't like, you know, aren't like making life decisions based off of their chart, right? Like, (laughs) most people are just using it because it's fun and it's like fun to talk about and fun to have conversations around or whatever. Well, and um, if there are people making life decisions based off of their chart, like, is that truly like, you know, if it if it ends the cycle of like agonizing analysis, like analysis paralysis, then like at the end of the day, you have to make an arbitrary big life decision no matter what. Yeah, that's true. Maybe you're going to at so the end of the day, like even if you're making it based off of something like astrology, maybe you're going to feel a lot more good about that decision. And that in and of itself Whatever the like, you know, even if that's sort of a placebo effect of you just like, you know, self coping with this thing that is totally meaningless, like that's that's fine, right? Placebos work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So I guess I just gotta shut the fuck up. Yeah, I guess we just like I guess the moral of the story talk. is just like be more humble about it, you know? 
Yeah, I guess. But it, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't yes. obviously want to sit and talk about it forever. Like, I'm still going to walk out of the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm still, I'm still not going to attend the party. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. But like, and I'm still going to kind of scoff at people when they're like, that's yeah. a real Pisces thing to say. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because like, you know, it's, you know, it's truly like no different from so many of the other things that we have guiding our worldviews. Right. <laughs> I really like the videos where there's a person. Uh, having a conversation with someone that's really into astrology and they're like what's your sign and he's like aries and they're like oh my god i really see that for you mm-hmm. and he's like yeah you really think i'm an aries and they're like yeah and then he's like just kidding i'm, I'm Leo. a fucking pisces yeah <laughs> <laughs> <You know>? yeah <laughs> Uh, do you have anything you want to plug? Um, Spanicopita. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly, but I made that yesterday and it was great. Like, did you make it from scratch or did you make frozen Trader Joe's versions? No, I made it from scratch. It's so easy to make from Damn. scratch. Wow. Yeah. That's kind of, yeah, that's kind of highbrow. I'm surprised. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's literally cool. three ingredients. It's just like the dough and then like feta and spinach and like some nutmeg. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, let's see. What do I want to plug? What do I want to plug? What do I want to plug? I want to plug um, uh, growing your own garden. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's brought me a lot of peace. Wait, are, where do you actually have a garden? Yeah, we have planters on the front porch. Oh, okay. So I got I got some tomatoes, some basil, some jalapenos. It's going great. I used I for the first time used some of my own basil today. Yeah. Wow. It is it good, was, right? It was, yeah, it's great. Yeah, fresh basil. Um, so and it's bringing me a lot of peace, a lot of like something, something to look after. So what do a that. great thing yeah. to plug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and as always, you can find us at I'm the Villain Pod. That's our Twitter, it's our Gmail, and our Instagram. Otherwise, bye. Do you think we're becoming like just like you know hippie, like squishy little like hippie over the course of this podcast? Like you know, <laughs> like. <laughs> Like over the entirety of our podcasting career, are we becoming more soft? Well, like, you know, we're getting like, like maybe it's a pandemic thing, you know, but like everyone's getting into these like, you know, oh, like, I mean, maybe it's also kind of a like, you know, cynically uh, survivalist thing as we're like watching the climate apocalypse <laughs> happen around our, you know, come crashing down around our heads, you know? Yeah. Like yeah. everyone's trying to garden and be like, oh. Oh, 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 maybe we shouldn't do something about this. How are we gonna <laughs> die? Let's at least grow a little bit of basil. Like <laughs> Yeah. You yeah. know, yeah, I do think that. Yeah. I think that like, yeah, I think there's like we're having we're having a slow like return to like things that bring you joy moment. Mm-hmm. It's the, funny because it's sort I mean, of like on the macro level, it's it's like literally because of the apocalypse, but on a micro level, what it looks like is very cottagecore and cute, you know? Yeah. Like right. <laughs> And I think that I think that's fine. I yeah. think that's completely fine. Yeah. I think that we realize like, okay, we can't we can't invest our whole selves in these systems that don't give a fuck about us. Like, let's just do what makes us happy. Yeah. And that's great. Yeah. So grow your basil, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>